Welcome back to the sixth edition of the NetCentric podcast, NetCentric, a cognizant digital business. I'm joined today with Mauricio Frias. Mauricio, um, rather than have me try to make an introduction for you, why don't you give uh, a quick self-bio? Uh, introduce yourself. Hi, Scott. Thank you. Yes, uh, my name is Mauricio Frias, and I'm Bolivian and living here in Frankfurt, Germany for the past eight years. I've been also working for NetCentric uh, for the past five years as a marketing technology engineer uh, with a focus, uh, focus in analytics. Nice, nice. Well, thank you for that. That's uh, much better than I could have put it, but thank you much for joining joining me today. Uh, let's, let's actually start way back at the beginning and um, tell me a little bit about your earliest memory of technology. All right. Well, uh, as I'm 33 years old, I don't think I have to go way too far, way back, but uh, definitely some of the earliest um, memories of technology discarding video games, because I think that, uh, yeah, as a kid, uh, I was uh, surrounded by video games. But the actual first computer that I got when I was right around 10 or 11 years old, I think, and my mom brought one from the U.S. and it was this old, very heavy um, IBM Pentium 2 with a CRT monitor and we had it laying in the house for like a couple of weeks because my mom wanted a specialist to come and set it up for us <laughs> and then after that was set up and then I started to use it and, and learn a little bit on my own then soon after I realized we really didn't need to pay a specialist to just connect a few cables but you know it was my <laughs> first exposure to computers and I thought okay this is an interesting thing to have. <laughs> Nice. So what were the what were the first games that you played on that that IBM back then? Well, I do remember obviously Solitaire, but I didn't even know what it was. I just like was moving things around. I do remember getting really good at paint and I still like that. For some reason, drawing in paint was very fascinating for me. But otherwise, I wasn't and I'm still I'm not a big of a computer gamer per se. But yeah, definitely the ping pong. There, no, it wasn't a ping pong. It was a pinball machine type of game that is yeah. very classic and that is yeah, very nostalgic. I yeah, I remember all those. I remember all those on the, on the, the early the early 80s machines. And, and uh, now that's great. And, and um, so kind of moving forward then. Well, you know, you said you mentioned you're from Bolivia. Um, did you grow up there? I did, but I also a little bit everywhere. I spent uh, probably, yeah, now more than half of my life outside of Bolivia. So my timeline kind of goes like born in Bolivia and then I started elementary school in Argentina, actually, uh, at the time where my dad emigrated to the U.S. and my mom and I, we lived in, in Argentina. Then I did middle school for uh, a few years in Bolivia, then went to high school to the U.S. where my dad was in Minnesota. Uh, after I graduated high school, went back to Bolivia for my uh, bachelor's for in, in systems information engineering, then got the scholarship and moved to France for another couple of years, <laughs> and then ended up in Germany for work. So that's how my education and career was more or less distributed. <laughs> wow, uh, very geographically diverse. Uh, as far as as far as your studies, what, what did you study? Like, right, even from high school, you went to Minneapolis, you were there. What, what were your interests in, uh, in high school? That's, uh, that's a really good question, because um, seeing uh, educational systems from different countries, uh, it's, it's very different, like South America. Um, I went to a private Catholic school and 
it's completely different than uh, than what it is like in the U.S. And it's more strict. There's a lot of math and social studies and a lot of emphasis in in, in sciences and so on in, in South America. What my parents would consider that very good education with four years of math, four years of biology. And, so on. and then when I went to the U.S. for my uh, freshman to senior year, you get to choose your classes. You get to choose what you kind of want to learn in which direction you want to go in the future and they didn't really understand why do i have a, why can i just choose one year of chemistry and two years of math and so on and and i actually chose a more creative path while i was in the u.s i took a lot of uh, art classes i took theater i took band in the last year and i i really enjoyed the, the creative choices that i had there so nice. I had no, nothing to do with engineering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but then, but then you went back to Bolivia to do your your undergrad, your bachelor's. And why did you pick um, information systems and networks? And because there was no other choice, actually. <laughs> the thing is, uh, yeah, living uh, as a yeah as an immigrant, basically in the U.S., I have this uh, immigrant culture of my family that uh, not only my parents but also uncles and I think I would say they were the first generation that moved to the US so it was a bit of a mix that we didn't have uh, exact knowledge as how uh, to do the or let me rephrase it on how my generation of uh, of my cousins that were living there to go to university you know in the US is really expensive mm -hmm. and in our culture is our parents that kind of like their duty to support your studies. So my parents couldn't see themselves uh, paying for my university. So they gave me the choice. Either I stay in the U.S. and find my own way, or I go back to Bolivia and they will be able to pay for whatever university studies that I, that I wanted to do. However, at that time, like I mentioned, I chose so many creative classes in, the, in high school that I wanted to become a, a music teacher. And in Bolivia, that wouldn't pay the bills. <laughs> and actually, it wasn't a, a career or a field that I could study in a university or anything. Um, so then I went back to that early memory I had of, you know, I think I like computers. I remember learning about my like like what I mentioned, my first computer. Uh -huh. So why not? You know, they say this is the future. And I try it out. I sign up at the university. Um, I definitely saw that I was not at the same level as the other kids that study there. Um, but quickly, I realized that, okay, programming, all of this technical stuff was such a different world for me that I really enjoyed discovering it. And I, yeah, and I stuck with it. Yeah, it's, it's almost, it's learning a new language and it's very logic uh, centric, right? So things, exactly. if you have that kind of wiring in your brain, but it sounds like you also have a, the creative side, which I want to dive into a little bit later, but let's stick with, with professional development. So then you, you finished the undergrad in Bolivia, but you said you went, did you go right to a master's or did you go to work? Um... I started to work on my last year uh, of university while I was doing my my bachelor's project, uh, which is also very good because there were good opportunities for companies in Bolivia. And then I decided I wanted to learn French, figure out and, and get out of uh, out of South America. I was already in, in the U.S., so maybe Europe. And then I applied to some universities and luckily I got a... a pretty much a full scholarship from the French government to do my master's in Paris. Wow. Wow. That's, that's actually really incredible. Um, so was that your first time in Europe when, when you moved to yes. France or had you had visited before? No, it was the very first time. Um, I do remember that uh, when I landed in, in Paris, I had this 
um, executive person picked me up from the from the airport. Like I said, it was a pretty privileged scholarship that they gave me like enough money to live. My job basically was to study and they took care of me. However, the first day they just picked me up from the airport. They expected me to speak somehow French, which, you know, <laughs> it's completely different, different when you study a language abroad. And then when you land in that country, everything goes like 100 yeah. times faster. And, and the master's, what was the master's in? I mean, I know you, you were there to learn French, but what was the actual master's program in? It was in uh, computer science. Nice. nice. You, you finished the master's program, and, and what was your first working experience after that? Um, well, I wanted to see a little bit uh, as to what I could do within uh, Europe. I, I was thinking for a while to go back to, to Bolivia and, and mm -hmm. start a, a business over there. I also like teaching and maybe go back to the university and, and teach some as well. Um, but then I decided to uh, look a little bit uh, abroad and then I came to Germany to, to do my last internship. And then from there, uh, I saw how different uh, the organization of the Germans are in terms of bureaucracy, even though there's a lot, it actually works. So I got a lot of my paperwork done super fast and I was able to get my, my working permit and then I stayed uh, in Germany for the first three years in the same company. Which company was that? Uh, Fastbill. Fastbill. Yeah, it was a startup. It was very, nice. very exciting, for sure. So then uh, from there, how did you arrive at Netcentric? I was looking for a new opportunity um, because, uh, yeah, I wasn't so happy, to be honest, uh, with uh, stucking, uh, sticking with the startup. A lot of things were changing. I perhaps didn't have um, the right um, backup to, from or support from the company to, to grow, which is probably one of my major reasons why I would ever consider uh, to, to leave any company. And then uh, there was sort of this uh, speed dating um, meeting with a bunch of companies and Netcentric was hosting it uh, together with other very big German brands and I decided to go and check it out. They gave us this nice uh, pitch about the company culture, how it is like to work at Netcentric. I, I really liked it. I had my, my 30 second interview with a recruiter. Uh, we actually spent the most of the interview talking about Bolivia and France because he was French and he went to Bolivia. And then I was like, okay, I don't know if I left the right impression, but then I got uh, a follow up. So I was able to apply for Netcentric. And how'd that application go? Really bad. I got rejected. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I always think it's very funny that uh, I, I applied it. I was so motivated. And then, uh, no, I, they, they told me, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a good fit. <laughs> we really liked you. We had a good time meeting you at the at the recruiting event, but you did horribly on your <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I mean, but to be honest, I told them I'm looking for a new experience. I don't know much about like I'm not an expert programmer in Java. I used to do full stack with PHP and mm -hmm. HTML, JavaScript, and so on. But I, I, you know, I just decided to to try something new. But I don't know. At that time, I got rejected. But now, why am I here? Right? Like, <laughs> definitely something changed. So. A few weeks later, yeah, they called me back and they said, hey, we're going to give you another chance to, to do another interview in the office. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, I went back and then, yeah, I got a, a second chance, let's say. That's good. And which team did you join when you first started with Netcentric? So I started as a back-end developer. And okay. yeah, to do the typical uh, 
uh, software engineering, programming, and so on. But for the first few months, unfortunately, I didn't have a project. I think the project that I was going to join got delayed, postponed. So I was a few months uh, projectless and just learning on my own. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, then things changed when I met the right people. Um, and then they asked me if I could support them with a little bit of analytics, which I didn't have much background on it, but mm -hmm. it was very interesting because uh, I discovered something completely new and changed my entire career. So tell me a little bit, actually, let's go deeper into that. So so how did you find out about this kind of, uh, hey, help me out with this one thing? How, how did that take place? Because I was there in the office and I didn't have and much. And they're like, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. <laughs> Come and serve some coffee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I probably did that because I really was looking for something to do. You know, you cannot be so many months just trying to learn on your own. Mm -hmm. You want to contribute and, and show value. So a consultant back then told me, that uh, I, I was just, you know, chatting over coffee, like, so what do you do? And then uh, explain me about analytics. And I was like, okay, that sounds like you use JavaScript. And like I said, in my previous job, I did um, mm -hmm. JavaScript stuff. And then I realized, well, he was a consultant, perhaps didn't have the, the enough technical programming background. But when he started to explain me things, and then he said, how would you solve this? And then I looked into it, but this looks like JavaScript. And then I typed a few lines and then he said how did you do that and I'm like well it's JavaScript you know <laughs> and uh, but it, it started to click and, and, and he said hey do you have a project and I said no um, uh, so can you give me a hand with this and then I said sure he gave me a book of uh, Adobe Analytics uh, for developers or something to to flip through it over the weekend and to be honest I came back on Monday didn't really read past the index and then I said sure let's give it a try <laughs> and because I was motivated to do something and to support and feel mm -hmm. useful and then mm -hmm. yeah things just uh, ramped up from there he knew that I could solve problems that he needed help with and then yeah so when was this? When did you join Netcentric? Five years ago. Five, so it's been five years in Netcentric. And, and from, from that first kind of uh, uh, exposure and, and access to that project in analytics, um, how did you evolve to, to where you are now? Uh, well, same, in the same way, very, very organically. Like uh, he, I, I helped this consultant and then he had another colleague that said, hey, by the way, Mauricio helped me with this. And he had another similar situation with his uh, account and then or his client and then i looked at it and then i was able to kind of quickly start helping and feeling useful but then i also asked a lot of questions i think part of uh, netcentric's culture at the beginning where i couldn't really grasp was that you know everybody's so willing to help you when you have questions so you just have to go out there and then ask and people will will respond so i was start, i started to feel like i could obviously gain knowledge when i mm -hmm. asked questions and they were able to share a lot of their consulting experience on analytics the platforms the tools and once i got my hands on what it was back then called adobe dtm that became like my tool and i started to master it and i learned it and and knew how to work with it and suddenly with these consultants, we started to work together and we saw the, let's say, the magic of understanding uh, what we are doing and how we can deliver this to clients. And they basically paved the way as well for me to grow and learning from them, the consulting client communication. And I think that's what really supported my entire journey within Netcentric. They started to see the potential of me going to clients and answering those technical questions and so on. So I really 
thank uh, these uh, colleagues that I had that opened up this opportunity and also for Netcentric for transforming, allowing me to transform my career. Yeah, no, it's amazing that, that it was able to happen organically too and kind of through just um, curiosity and, and kind of letting some of your passions guide you. Um, okay, so fast forward to today, you're now the, uh, the senior uh, Mark, the senior marketing technology engineer at, at Netcentric. What is a day in the life for you? Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just like uh, like I told you, with my career that has been evolving, it's very very hectic and definitely a lot of things uh, to learn. I mean, you would say w with five years in a company where I'm growing like this, how how does that happen, right? I mean. It definitely is busy. I have a busy mm -hmm. day, busy schedule, a lot of meetings through the day. But um, that's also because I am. Um, I have been supporting. I like to get, to to help whoever uh, has whenever they have questions or they need some some of my knowledge. That's probably also a negative uh, or a downside of of being like this for me that I get overworked and so on. But um, but yeah, it, it it is a pretty busy role that I have, but I'm working on it on, on <laughs> lighting things up for sure. Yeah. Constant work in progress. I th and I think the last 18 months has been, has been a, a roller coaster Absolutely. for everybody. Um, but, but let's get out of work for a second. What do you do outside of work? What are some of your hobbies and your passions outside of work? Well, how do you unplug? I, um, everybody or friends, uh, in my social circle would always describe me as, uh, that my hobby is actually to have hobbies. So I rotate my hobbies, uh, very frequently, but they go, they are all within, uh, the cre creative world, it, whether it's art, like I like drawing, painting, um, I like theater. I did a lot of theater also in high school. So, um, probably one of the passions is dancing. I also um, lead a dance group here in, in Frankfurt of uh, the Bolivian community. So, wow. you know, South Americans, we're known for having, yes, the flavor, the dances, but also the folklore with costumes and the traditional mm -hmm. music from South America. So we have a pretty big community here. We have a um, uh, an, an association so we can uh, collect funds to support social projects in Bolivia for um, children and so on so we have a dance group and I danced when I was in Bolivia in this uh, group so I come here and I teach them and we have a nice community we we sometimes do tours kind of <laughs> in Germany <laughs> and we present our culture that's amazing I I, I had no idea um, is I mean I had no idea one that there was actually a kind of a, a transplant an expat group of Bolivians there and then two they, they actually get together and they practice traditional Bolivian dance uh, so that's amazing. You were trying to tap into that I'm, that history. You know, I'm pretty history. sure you're going to run into them because we're all over Europe. There are associations of Bolivians everywhere from like any expat. But because, mm -hmm. you know, perhaps because Bolivia is not as a big country per se right. uh, as in community, it's easier for us to like, hey, you live in uh, wherever, Munich, Bar Barcelona, uh, Frankfurt, that you can uh, create this sort of communities and then you do something about your culture the food and the music and and then we present our latin american festivals and so on so i'm pretty sure that now you're going to start seeing because barcelona has a yeah. pretty big uh, bolivian community <laughs> yeah it's a very international city a lot of transplants here very transient in, in nature and, and yeah now that it's been pointed out i probably will uh come across it um no I'll, I'll seek it out as well that's that's very very cool um Okay, so you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned um, music, dancing, you mentioned uh, painting, um, and the arts. 
you know, I think before you said something that possibly there might have been an alternative universe out there where you're a music teacher. Uh, do you ever ever think about what the road that could have been? Uh... Sometimes I do. My dad reminds me all the time because he's a, he's he's obviously a very proud uh, dad of of me that I I'm living here on my own doing, um, let's say going doing quite well because mm-hmm. yeah it, it it's a big uh, for my family it's an achievement to 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 be outside and and do well on your own and he says, well. What could have you accom- what could have you accomplished with music, right? You wouldn't have been there. You'd probably be here in playing at bars or restaurants. And and I laugh at him because I tell him, well, it's I don't think it's necessarily the career that, that I chose. Yeah, definitely has an impact, but it's also the ambition and the values mm-hmm. and the drive that one has that leads you to to succeed or 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 find your own definition of success, right? Because yeah, if it's for him, for me being outside and abroad, yeah, but I could also be successful, I don't know, locally in my country and feeling very happy as well. So I I think even though I didn't study music, I'd applied it in very often and I did a lot of things with music as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that it taps into a totally different part of your brain, right? That, that creative center that um, that isn't always talked about or discussed in the world that we live in the tech world right and um do you do you find ways to be able to bring that creativity to to your role absolutely absolutely i like i said i also like to draw and to paint and i think a lot of that is you know the ideas that you have how you portray it in a visual way and perhaps i'm not the best painter or the best drawer but also it helps me seeing things uh, from different perspectives so Something that I was told uh, very often is that I can find easier ways for non-technical people to understand the technical world. Uh So, yeah, I think that's something that comes definitely from my creative side that when I see things, yeah, maybe it doesn't mean that I understand everything at once or or at first glance, but I can always find ways to um, explain it to others so that they understand. And I think it's very important. important. Yeah, I think that's really important to, well, to, to be that bridge, right? To, to be able to marry the two. Um, okay, so we've definitely touched on a lot of things, both work and outside of work and life related. How do you find a, a work-life balance? Does it exist or is it more of an integration or is it just kind of like just your day? Interesting question because everybody relates to that has a, particularly a nine-to-five job. Um, but also I've seen, for example, my parents, uh, they are... Um, uh, restaurant chef so they were always dedicated to to have a restaurant and in, in the kitchen and i think that's a different rhythm of uh working life that i have beside be, behind a computer and so on but they always taught me to to work really hard a, a big example uh or inspiration is from my father like the restaurant that he he owned when he was in the u.s basically started cleaning floors toilets and so on and then he owned it and then he was part of uh, the big uh, chain of restaurants that uh, that that this restaurant belonged to, and I think that was something that even though uh, my time that I was with him, I would see him all the time working. I even worked with him in the restaurant as a waiter. My mom as well, so it was like a business, uh, family business. It was a lot of work, right? And now, in a way, sometimes I have to remind myself that perhaps. There is a life uh, balance or life work-life balance mm-hmm. because back then for me it was a bit confusing because it's a family business. So sometimes it blends together. You don't know when it starts, when it finishes. 
and now uh, with that nine to five job more or less it's more like okay i do have to i can shut down the laptop and and enjoy the time and enjoy the weekend and so on i'm still learning I'm, I'm, i consider myself very young as well i do feel like i have the energy but i was already advised you know that doesn't last too long and be cautious with it you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, i'm older than you so now i don't know how to feel about that is it gonna go away i'm gonna lose my energy uh who told you that <laughs> <laughs> wise people for sure <laughs> so um okay so uh work-life balance exists you're able to find that that uh checking out having to you know be able to shut the laptop what advice would you give to a newcomer who's joining that centric right now what, what would you say to them try out try everything out i mean i never see myself as as giving much advice because i always appreciate when i get advice because i feel like that's very important we always learn we keep learning in life but i think uh if something i, I would highlight for uh from that mm, got me where i'm at now is trying things even if if it's our of course out of your uh, comfort zone or something that perhaps you're not uh you don't feel like you're completely prepared to do it just go for it and maybe great things will happen not be afraid of that it's definitely uh, the best advice and especially when you're new or a young uh, um, uh a young employee or a young candidate uh just go for it i decided to change my whole uh, career at the beginning and I did other stuff in the computer science world I did uh, bioinformatics I did um, yeah uh, full stack development and and so but now I'm doing completely different things that I would have never thought I would do it and I'm super happy yeah that's no that's great advice I just and keep that open mind and, and try new things right and, I, and I've, I've heard from a couple of um, the net centric team. And, and there seems to be almost a little bit of jealousy for people who are just starting with net centric. Cause it's like, Oh, I kind of want to go back there. And there's that nostalgic element. Do you feel that as well? No, <laughs> I'm <laughs> honest. Uh, but obviously everyone has a different experience, right? It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling very happy with the experience that I had. And this is why I want others to have it as well. You know, I we always talk about at Natentric, uh, how purple are you? Do you feel purple? I, it's our it's our happiness, and I and I definitely mm -hmm. do it, but I want others to feel it as well. And when that experience doesn't go like that, it's uh, I always wonder why. You know, but obviously the company grows. We're a lot more people. It is bound to have uh, some people not having the same experience. But right. Uh, yeah, right. No, that's great advice, and that's that's a, a very good uh, take on that. And it's good that you're you're happy with with um, that evolution of your time at Netcentric and where you are now, and and then being able to help others because now you are in a position to be able to offer that advice, especially in your in your circle now as part of the uh, the CTO team, right? Yes, that was a that's a new challenge for me that uh, presented this year. I'm I'm super grateful also for for Netcentric to give me that opportunity, and I think. That just goes to uh, to show that this whole trajectory that I had, um, being confident also in the things that I do, the way that I present them and or inspire others, is is translating into into positive and opportunities like this that were presented to me. And yeah, the moment that it came to my attention, if I wanted to be part of this group. Um, I had little hesitation, maybe afterwards it felt intimidating. I'm, I'm going to be honest because you know, I'm, I'm, why not? Right. It's a, it's a leading position, but at the same time I was excited. So I think the, the thrill overcomes any intimidation. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that, you know, anytime you do feel that hesitation, just, you know, dive into it. Just, just, you know, uh, yeah. full, full steam ahead. Um, well, I, I know we're running out of time here. Um, and I want to thank you so much for, for the time we've had. It's been, it's been amazing to speak with you, but I can't leave. I can't let you go without asking one final question, uh, that we ask everybody on the show. And that is, uh, looking forward, looking ahead, which technology or innovation are you most excited about in the next 10, 15, 20 years and why? Well, that's a very cool question because um, not sure if you already caught the news about Facebook changed their company name to Metaverse and they have this crazy ambition of moving social media to the next level, 2D to 3D and so on. I'm really excited about it. And I was really honestly thinking about it in the past few days uh, also, like how will social media evolve, you know? And for me particularly, the interest is because of this distant uh, relationship that I have with my family that most that I have had my whole life. But when I think about it, when I was younger, there was no possibility to 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 write to my dad who was in the States like uh, a WhatsApp message or something that he would read immediately. I'm still from the time where we would send physical letters. And then it was a time of getting prepaid cards and having to call at a certain right. time. And now I do video chats with my parents. And even though my mom misses me, I miss them a lot. I tell, I tell my mom, remember how it used to be in the, back in the days? Like we wouldn't see our faces in ages. And now all you have to do is call me and I'm there, you know? So you, can, you, sh you have to feel uh, lucky that we live in this type of world. And now with what's coming up, I don't know. I feel like I'm gonna be able to virtually hug my parents and, right. and not have to feel that I'm so many kilometers away. Right. No, I think that I think that's one of the, the key, the key human um, needs. Right. Is and I'm the same way. I'm an expat in Barcelona, from, far from my family in the U.S. And uh, and that would be so amazing to be able to feel like you're truly in the same room, uh, you know, as as your loved ones and your friends who are across the world. That's a great answer. And uh, and it'll be really fun to see how, how this um, this next evolution in social media and technology in the metaverse uh, comes to be. But uh, Mauricio, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, such a pleasure speaking with you and getting to know you. Uh, you know, I think uh, next time we do this, we'll have to have you back on the show. Excellent. Thank you very much, Scott. It was absolutely a pleasure. And yeah, looking forward to our next time. Yeah, thanks, Mauricio. Bye. Bye.